0: When I was in seminary, I actually lived at a home of a single divorced mother and her two teenage children. Uh, they were Jewish. It was in a northern su- nor- one of the northwest suburbs of Chicago. And uh, part of my job was to drive uh, one of the kids to Hebrew school a couple times a week after, after school. She was divorced and she had some kind of a, some, she had a lot of anger toward her ex-husband. And uh, sometimes that anger just went on to men in general. So one particular, uh, one particular day, the kitchen was a mess. She has two teenage sons. The kitchen was a mess with dirty dishes. And none of them were mine. I'll tell you that right now. None of them were mine. Um, her kids were kind of, you know, they were teenagers. They were kind of slobbish. She wasn't all that neat herself. But the kitchen was just an absolute mess. And uh, there was another seminary student there. Her name was George. He li- And n- none of the stuff was our stuff. And she lit into us. It was George and I, the the, the, the the seminary student, and her two sons. She kind of lit. oh, you men are all alike. You're all messy. And she just went on and on about how messy the kitchen was. And internally, not even a fork was mine. I'll tell you that right now. Not even a fork was mine, nor was it George's. Internally, I'm kind of getting angry. I'm like, that's not my stuff. That's your kid's stuff, and it's yours. Her name was Ricky. Ricky, it's your stuff. I didn't say this, but internally, I'm kind of, you know, speaking out for my rights all right so I just kind of let steam by and then I was gone that next weekend I have just gone away I might have a brother that lived an hour away I got back late on Sunday night and the kitchen was a disaster it was a mess and I thought I sure hope she gets mad again because I can say to her I wasn't even here this weekend it's not mine I mean that's my internal reaction It was kind of like I hope she yells at me now because I'm going to tell her this is mine because I can prove it because I wasn't even here. So the next morning, which was Monday morning, I get up early and I'm doing my very spiritual thing of praying and reading my Bible. I, I actually remember I was kneeling that morning. I'm not saying that impressed anybody, but that's what I was doing. I, was, I remember kneeling, praying. And as I was praying and trying to be quite spiritual and, and uh, deeply spiritual mature, I clearly sensed the Spirit of God say to me, this was early in the morning, so nobody else in the house was up. The kitchen was still a mess. I quite clearly heard the Spirit of God say to me, I want you to get up and wash those dishes. (laughs) God, they're not mine. I mean, not even one of them is mine. I want you to get up and wash those dishes. God, I don't want to wash those dishes. They're not mine. Not one of those is my dish. This is going on as I'm kneeling being spiritual, right? Matt, I want you to go up. And wash those dishes and clean the kitchen. God, they're not mine. I don't have to. They're not mine. And God would not relent, which God usually doesn't. And I got up and I washed the dishes and cleaned the kitchen, and I also felt God say to me, "I don't want you to brag about doing it. Just go do it." I, you know, I fought God for a while, but I did it. They weren't mine. I didn't have any obligation to do it. I had a right to not do it, right? Let me read a passage of scripture, because then I'm going to challenge you with something. Philippians 2. Actually, go on the screen, uh, Stephanie. Go straight to the Philippians 2 passage. Um, Yes. I'll just read it from the screen. This is Paul. We've been going through Philippians. We're going to just do a short piece today. Paul was in prison, writing to a group of Christians, ordinary people like all of us, in the town of Philippi, which is a Greek town in the Roman world. It was a Roman colony, but it was in modern-day Greece. And he's challenging the people about how to live in the attitude of Jesus. And the story I just told uh, relates to this, all right? He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And the way those questions are asked, the, the understanding of the original language was, well, of course they are. He knew they were that way. So it was yes, yes, yes. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. He knew there were some conflicts going on in the Ordinary lives of the ordinary people in the town of Philippi and in the church. Uh, Agree with each other. Love one another and work together with one mind and purpose. Go to the next slide. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others also. In this next line, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Easy to say, right? Easy to say, hard to do. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. And leave it here, Stephanie, just leave it on this slide. Because this is the one thing I want to challenge you with. You notice in the third line, That Jesus did not think equality with God something to cling to. I think some of the versions you might have will say grasp. Because part of the attitude of Jesus we're supposed to to not just mimic but embody is how do I love others, (laughs) express humility, think of the needs of others, and let go of what I demand as my rights. Because... What, what the scripture says here is Jesus had all the rights because he was God. He had all the rights of God, so to speak. But he willingly let go of them as he came to earth to take on the form of a, per, a human being. And he wasn't going to cling on to what belonged to his. Belonged to him. Now think about my little episode with God and the dirty dishes. Because I had every reason to say to God, God, those aren't my dishes. I have, I, I, I have no responsibility to wash those dishes. I have a right not to wash those dishes. It's not my problem. But yet I feel like God was saying, no, it's not your problem. But I'm telling you to do this anyway because you, you, I want you to learn how to let go of what you think are your rights and what your obligations are. And here's my question to all of you. Think about your relationships right now, whether it's husband, wife, mom, dad, son, daughter, brother, sister, uh, supervisor at work, somebody who works for you, teacher, professor, roommate, whatever it is, and think of what conflicts, what tension, small, big, may be going on in that relationship right now. And I'm guessing some of you can identify some kind of tension or some kind of issue, and if not now, you will be. Here's the question. Is there some way in which perhaps the way that God wants to bring reconciliation and unity of the relationship might be that he's asking you to let go of something you rightfully can claim to have? It seems like the way to unity, the way that God made us in union with him was because Christ was willing to let go and become one of us, let go. He initiated unity. Is there some way in which God may be asking you, he may be even saying to you, yes i know that's yours to have and you can have that in your argument with your spouse but i want you to let it go you know i want you to let go of that what is rightfully yours that you can claim is rightfully yours a point of view or whatever else is there something that that god is the spirit of god may be pressing on to you about how you can have the same attitude of jesus because the attitude of Jesus was simply, um, I'm, I'm going to do what is best for them, and I'll let go of what I have a right to claim onto. Because we tend to cling, like I was clinging on to my right not to do the dishes. And I could probably think through my marriage, my relationship with my kids, my mom and dad, my siblings, people I work with, work for, whatever. I can think of other situations where, no, this is my right. So the question I'll just throw out to you is: Is there something that you may, that God may be prompting you, prodding you to stop clinging to? I'm not asking you. I'm not. God doesn't tell you to let people walk all over you. I'm not saying let people walk all over you. I'm saying you make the choice to let go of something that you know is rightfully yours because the Spirit of God is asking you to let go of it for the sake of unity for the sake of love, for the sake of the well-being of the other person. It's a hard thing to do. And mine was a very small example. Some of you may have some really big things to think of. I mean, even when Rajesh was talking, I was thinking about, you know, he let go of the chance for a big income and a more prestigious career as a medical doctor because he was doing what he believes God wants him to do. His wife's had to do the same. So is there maybe something in your life that God's asking you to let go of that you can say, no, I, I have a right to be a doctor. I have a right to make $2,000 plus a month. I have a right to do that. I've earned. I've had a hard education. Is there something God's asking you to let go of so you can follow him? Because that is the pathway to joy. Humility is the pathway to joy. Letting go is the pathway of joy. Uh, following the way of Jesus is the pathway to joy. So that's my challenge to you. Maybe there's something... You can think of now, and if there's not, there will be if you're human. If you're human and you're still living, you'll have these situations where God will ask you to let go of something for the sake of another, for the sake of unity, love, and joy. So that's my challenge. Um, I'll pray, and then we'll take communion. God, um, your spirit speaks to us uh, clearly, sometimes in a way, often in a way that challenges us, but always in a way that brings us life. Always in a way that brings us life. You don't speak in tones of condemnation. You don't speak in tones of being punitive. You speak in the tones, God, that will set us free. So, God, my prayer for all of us, and myself included, is that you will speak to us about ways in which we can choose to do what's best for another instead of ourselves. Not in a way where we become a doormat or some kind of false humility, but in a way where we use the strength and the abilities you've given us for the sake of another, for the sake of their well-being, for the sake of their joy, for the sake of their wholeness. And in doing so, you lead us down that same path of joy and goodness and life and wholeness. So Holy Spirit, speak to us throughout this day, throughout this week, and give us hearts that are receptive to do whatever you ask us to do. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. We finish uh, every Sunday with communion. And um, Stephanie, go to that l- the last part of the passage. We'll read that before we take communion. I didn't. We didn't read that, but the last part of Philippians 2. Um, because Jesus did this, I mean, if I mean my example of dishes is so microscopic compared to what the scripture tells us that Jesus did. But because he did this, because he was willingly obedient to the Father, this is what Paul tells the Philippian people, and he's telling us, This is what happens, all right? This is what happened, this is what happened this is what Jesus exalted. So actually read this out loud with me. Just join with me. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. And gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We end with communion because we want to end with the place of honor of Jesus, because communion is honoring what Jesus did on our behalf, and honoring his rightful place as the, it's kind of like you said, you know, and In the Hindu culture, it's okay if you put Jesus among one of your other gods, but to say that Jesus is the highest, he is the only, um, becomes a whole different challenge on all of our spirits. So we're honoring Jesus in that way. um, And Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood broken and given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And perhaps what he wants us to remember this morning is remember how he let go of did not cling to what was rightfully his to hold on to for our sakes. And maybe that's the part of Jesus. Maybe it's not for you, but it is for me. It's one of the parts of Jesus I know I want to grow in. And as you take this bread and this juice into your body, you're inviting the spirit of Jesus to change you to become that kind of person with the attitude of Jesus coming out from the deepest part of who you are. So here's how we do it at Exodus, we'll sing another song, um, there'll be people that come up that will uh, be at s- each of the three aisles, and they'll offer you bread, uh, just tear off a piece, actually we actually just come up, you just come up, we don't dismiss by row, you come up as you feel, uh, as, as you want to, we'll offer you the bread, tear off a piece, we we'll are off you the cup, and just dip it in the cup is how we do it here, no real deep reason for that, most people eat it right away, some take it back to their seats, um. But even as you're eating it, maybe you think about the relationship where there's some tension and you're asking God, okay, Spirit of Jesus, now in me, what do you want me to do with this situation? How would, you know, how, how would Jesus lead you to do in that situation? And then you had most of the going back to your seat and then we just finished singing. So, Jesus, we're grateful that you gave your body, shed your blood, and as Scripture said, you, o- you were obedient even to the point of death in giving up what you had rightful claim to have. And Jesus, we are grateful, joyful, beyond understanding that you do that for us. And in doing that, you open up this whole new way, the Bible says, this new and living way where we can become people who embody and, and, and who have the spirit of you, God, dwelling in us. That's what Jesus did for us, opened up that avenue for us. So, God, would you, uh, Jesus, would you know that we're grateful and would our gratitude be expressed in the openness that we have to your spirit inside of us. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If mm-hmm. Would you help us grow in the ability to have the same attitude as Jesus? We want to be those kind of people, and we know we can't do that simply by willpower alone. We need your Holy Spirit inside of us, so give us greater openness to that. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. Hey, stay standing just for a second. If you're on the end of the aisles, there's a little bucket down there. We pass those through the rows. So if you have, like, a prayer request or something to communicate or it's also for offering... So just pass that down. Uh and while that's being